Today's episode is sponsored by Ava. Stop missing hot leads when you're out with a client or spending time with friends and family. Ava is a professional inside sales team and will respond to and nurture leads 24-7. And you step back in when the leads are ready to talk to an agent. Visit reraw.com forward slash Ava to learn more. Again, that's reraw.com forward slash A-I-V-A. Looking to take you and your real estate business to the next level? You're in the right place. Laying foundations for real estate success? This is the No Fluff, No BS podcast about real estate for real estate agents and other industry professionals looking to up their game. Unfiltered short form sales meetings, interviews with agents from every walk of life, and ramble sessions about everything real estate. Welcome to a new mindset. You are listening to Reraw. And now, introducing your host, James Hoff. What's up, Reraw listeners? We are tuning in today with Steph Sanzada. You may have heard of her before because we've rambled together, but we figured it's time to actually do an interview and get things buttoned up. Steph is a professional inside sales rep, and I don't know if there's anyone better than you, Steph. It's kind of a, you're kind of a big... I don't think you're... Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, not not to be a ham, but I'm I'm pretty sure there's not. Not that I know of, anyways. No, and if the- I don't know of them, probably not. Well, Steph spends most of her day uh, talking to not only real estate agents, but talking to prospective clients and just helping them make their life easier and doing some of the dirty work that most people suck at and hate doing. And uh, Steph, for some crazy reason, loves to immerse herself in that uh, in that walk. It's just you're just one of the weird ones, but that's a good thing. So I appreciate it's easier than you think. It's easier than you think. I think it's easier. Yeah, for sure. You, 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 you guys go out and you meet with people in person. I don't have to do any of that. It's a lot of work, you know, like seeing them face to face, that kind of thing. I could be home like in my PJs for all you know. I'm just <laughs> kidding. I'm not. I'm not. I don't do that. No, I don't do that. Uh, but you guys have a lot more work on your hands as agents to go out there and, and show the property every day. I just got to talk to the mean people. That's all I do. Well, and uh, as a New Yorker, that's probably uh, something you're okay with on many levels, right? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, in, in New York, <clears throat> we say I love you uh, in a different four-letter context. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we're playing a little unfiltered today, so don't feel like you have to censor for my uh, for my sensitive ears. It's really not that big of a deal. Okay. But hey, so before we jump too deep into the interview, I figured let's take a quick minute and just you know I want you to give some insight to the guest. What's happening outside of your your work world as far as like what interests you, what drives you, what do you do for fun? What's happening in in uh, that space? I'm like weirdly um, if we're gonna talk about like stuff that's spiritual. I'm very uh, into like, just like the idea that you manifest, it's like through thoughts, you like manifest. Wow, do you hear that? I'm sorry. That's a really loud motorcycle outside. Um, Basically, uh, the idea that you manifest your, you can create your world or co-create your world. And I'm very creative as an individual. So you wouldn't really think that like being somebody who's more, um, kind of an artist. Like I play music. I do a lot of music. I paint a lot. I, you know, I'm really just into uh, like 
writing and the arts and stuff like that. And I used to do some kind of very basic level acting and speech and debate stuff when I was in school. And I think the benefit that I got out of all of that is I think that my creativeness and um, my sort of creative side, I never thought it could come out in business. Like I never thought that like sales could ever be something that you got creative in. And it's something that I became um, so good at, I think, because I already could think on my feet and get creative and play with it a little and have fun with it. And I think that in most calls, I think the thing that people miss is, yes, you want to use the script and have a playbook. But I think where people, other agents and stuff kind of get hung up is when they're not uh, being themselves and they're not having a conversation and they're not just remembering to have fun when they talk on the phone with somebody. And that really builds a lot of, you know, a sense of humor and that kind of creativity, like really builds, um, you know, builds really good rapport with people on the, on the phone. And it's something that it's like putting an actor's head on every day. So it's actually, it's almost like theater. Like when you go to, to work, you put on a little performance, you know, so you like stepping into that acting role? It helps you express some of that creativity, and in the uh, in the other world that you live in outside of the office, you play music, you do art. You're kind of a creative cat. Yeah, I mean, like I think that um, it's it really allows me. I could be anybody on the phone that I want to be, and that's what makes it so fun. You know, if I'm talking to a right wing Republican, let's not get political, but I can <laughs> play along with the best of them. You know, and I've heard ridiculous stories. I mean, if somebody's hobby is hoarding cats in their closet, I mean, I'll just play right along, you know? There's a lot of eccentric people in real estate. So you can see that I'm sure that you've seen some of those hoarder properties from space, not to get on a tangent, but like, Little you know, bit. when you call and you're like, your house is so dirty, dude, like you need help cleaning it out. <laughs> funny so one of the things we talk about here on the show is like all the different avenues that people could pick in real estate so yeah. for some strange reason you know people decide to become a real estate agent others become a lender or a title rep or a loan officer in your case you started an inside sales company that focuses in my opinion on one of the biggest weaknesses that agents have which is doing what people in your own words make more difficult than it ultimately needs to be so my question for you is this, of all the things that you could do in real estate, why the cold calling, why the inside sales, and is it so much about real estate or more about just the job itself and this just happens to be where you fell? Well, you know what? I think that I got weirdly called into the job of calling. Um, when I started out, I was in before real estate, I was actually working in remodeling and I started as a, like an $8 an hour entry level marketing, like telemarketer in the office, calling past customers and resolving problems and things like that. And then I worked for a, a big real estate coach for a period of time. We had a little bit of a discrepancy about how, you know, I, how we do business, I suppose. And I, I actually became uh, sort of like a legend in that dynamic because nobody could ever catch up with me when I started to learn how to prospect. I was just like a, a number one all the time, you know, like, I mean, they, they actually measured me at one time against other inside sales reps. And I was 
literally doing the work of five people at once. I was one sales rep who was doing the work of five. And I think that there was sort of a level, I didn't really realize how competitive I was because like part of me is also kind of athletic and along with being creative and I don't know, just like that drive. And then when you start to get on a roll with it and it becomes fun, then you realize that, gosh, all I did was make a few phone calls and I helped, you know, somebody out. I helped the real estate agent out. I helped the seller out, sell, sell their home. And, you know, I'm coming home with, you know, more money than anybody else in my family. And it's like, I take that and I use it to fund other creative fun things. And I guess that keeps me kind of motivated too. Like it sort of works together, you know, like I have other goals outside of the realm of calling and I don't know, being competitive, I just, like, I want to, I give myself, like, little treats sometimes. Like, I want to, you know, get better and better so that I can continue to to feed my other habits, too, outside of work. But it's an easy way to do it because it's just an easy, I don't know, it's, it's easy for, it's like acting. Like I said, I get paid to be anybody I want to be when I go to work. And if I do good at it, then I get to get a little gold star. And then that gold star can fund for a new guitar or something. Like, that's, you know. It. Love that. Yeah. Um, so let me ask you this. So a lot of times people get into a position, like for example, uh, some sales positions will start as customer service reps and then you work your way into inside sales and then outside sales, right? Like there's a pathway and a stepping stones to different things. And I, I'm curious to know, do you see yourself in a different role eventually in real estate or is this, is this, you want to be the best inside sales company that, that this industry has? Like what, what are your goals? And the reason I'm asking is because I want other people to, understand that not everything leads to being a real estate agent, right? So what is it that, what is it that you're working towards? Where do you want to elevate this game to? Well, I think ultimately I'd like to create, uh, it's kind of like John Maxwell's five levels of leadership. I'd like to create a bunch of mini me's. And one of the greatest things, greatest gifts that I've had in this job is coaching other agents on how to do this. Because I think a lot of people get into real estate, but they don't realize that like 90% of real estate is actually spent on the phone. And if they're not good on the phone, then they don't have a pipeline, then they're just crying, and then they get divorced, and then it's just a whole slew of bad things, right? Like, just everything falls apart on them when their pipeline's not full. So I want to take um, our company and do the service, but I also want to get to a point where we're consistently helping people brand and market and teach teach what we do so that they can continue to um, be able to provide for themselves. Because if I can put food on somebody else's table by teaching them how to do this, it's also, um, it's just a, it's a gift that I feel like I need to share with people, you know? So take me down that road a little bit since we're kind of, we're going that direction. Like you said, you work a lot with other agents, teaching them how to do what you're doing. And I'm sure through that process, I mean, some of them either choose to hire you because you're just unbelievable at what you do. Others may not be able to afford it, or somebody may be trying to get your skill set so they can train an agent on their team to be an inside sales rep. What, what are some of the biggest mistakes that agents or other inside salespeople are making when they're calling prospects? Well, you know, I want to say one thing that I see agents doing a lot is that they hire an inside sales rep because they don't like to do the calls or they don't want to do them or they're not, you know, really skilled and they don't know their own objections. And I think if you're going to have an opener, right, that's working for you, that gets you in the door, but you can't handle the same objections as the closer. You you can hire any ISA and it's not going to work for you. 
Um, I think that the biggest thing that agents need to realize is that they too need to practice this skill before they go and hire other people to do it, number one. Um, number two, I think that there's so many people in the industry saying very, very similar things. And right now, one of the biggest struggles that I see is that because everybody is using like full and Mike Ferry and Tom Ferry, like all the scripts and stuff, like they're very similar. So sellers are used to it and they're sick of the same sort of pitch. And if you have an opportunity um, to get somebody's attention and then to bond with them and to make an impression on them, you know, do yourself the service of getting in the door with them. Because I don't think right now with how hot the market's been that agents are um, Agents are writing off a lot of a lot of leads before they meet with them, and I think that that's a mistake because there's so many agents prospecting that I think that if you have good rapport and you see a window where you could close it, you should go for it. What kind of that's what agents writing off? Like, you know, for instance, if they're I don't know. They just, it's the minute that they see that somebody's being a little bit obstinate or difficult, it doesn't mean that they're not interested. I think that that's the thing that I see is that like if they have to handle an objection or two when they go on the appointment, they immediately think it's a bad lead, and it's just like no. Like objections are good. Objections are an opportunity for you to build value. I actually like when people hand me objections. I don't like when I go through a pitch and they don't hand me anything because then I don't think that they're actually paying attention or listening. You know. So like if I don't ever hear anything out of that seller, I don't think that they're I, I you kinda of don't know how to prepare yourself when you go out to pitch them in person, you know? Um there's a book called Never Split the Difference and I think it's by Chris Voss. I think that it, it, I think it came from here that I heard this. It talks there's a lot of people that talk about this idea that uh you've gotta get the people to say yes as many times as possible because once they start answering yes, they get on a roll. And then when you go for the close, it's just an automatic yes. And it just kind of like falls out of their mouth, right? And Chris Voss argues this, this idea by saying, you actually have to get people to say no. And you want to get them to say no as quickly as possible so that you can start moving towards other things because them saying no makes the customer feel like, they, like they're not getting had. You know, like they have the ability to to give pushback and that they still have a sense of control. So if they do say, if they do end up saying yes, that like they did it because they felt like it. So I guess where I'm going with this is, are you, are you going just for the yes, like just for the appointments or are you trying to extract information and you're willing to nurture leads over a long period of time? Like where does, like, how do you find that balance? How do you say this, this lead is shit. And then this lead is something I really got to, it's going to take me more time. I think that's a really good question. I think if you have a seller that's got a strong motivation, you, you know, they give you where they're going next, you know, how long they anticipate, um, whatever their estimated time frame is for getting there. I think if you have somebody that's motivated that, you know, you can have a conversation. And it's always about getting them to be open to listening on the initial phone call. I think that that's kind of a mistake that other companies have made in the past. Um, I think more likely, uh, if you have somebody that's motivated that, you know, gives you a, a decent time frame for when they want to move, and let's say they're within 20% of the correct pricing on, on the house, which we know sometimes they can be above that. You might qualify them out based on their, their price being unrealistic, but if they have, you know, a decent ballpark on the pricing, good motivation, and the time frame for moving, 
And then maybe they give you the reasons why they decided to sell by owner or why their property expired. If you can kind of get into their history a little bit with them and get them to agree to meeting you in person. And then you already know when you go to meet with them, like what you're coming up against. Are you coming up against somebody that, you know, like I had a lady last week and she was so burned by every agent on, on planet earth that she didn't trust anybody. And, you know, we started talking and building rapport on the phone, but you know, a lot of that trust is going to be taken home when that agent goes and meets them in person. But it doesn't mean it's a bad lead. That person was pitched six or seven times. They've given the trust to other people. That person smacked them. I mean, it's only natural for them to want to retract. You know, you got to look at it like if it was you and you, you know, put your money on something and every time it's bitching, you know, in the ass, you're not going to keep doing it. <laughs> you know, like why, why keep putting your fork in the light socket, right? So like you got to show them that you're not the light socket that's going to burn them. But if you can get, I think, you know, like I said, the motivation for selling their time frame, and maybe a bit about why they chose to make the decisions they made to sell their home. I think that is a quality person that if they're giving you that dialogue, you need to go introduce yourself to. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what, at what point do you stop calling on a lead? Do you, you're, I'm, I'm assuming as an inside sales rep uh, and, and running an extremely aggressive but still professional company, I mean, how are you, how are you determining when that lead is gone? When they, like, obviously some people say, piss off, don't ever call me again. And at some point you have to respect that. They don't want to be called, right? But I would argue that some of your logic behind agents throw leads away too soon is that they literally just stop calling when they needed to make one or two or three extra pushes. How many times do you call someone before it's done? Or when do you stop? I would say probably six on the initial try. And then if they're like a lead that we've been following up with, it's kind of unlimited until they, you know, I think until they get really mad, and they, you know, they tell us something like, uh, you know, put me on your DNC list and I don't want to hear from you again or else I'm going to contact my attorney. I think that's when we kind of feel that it's more believable that they're serious. Um, but sometimes I think that, there's so many times where we come across somebody and on Monday they're in a bad mood. And on Tuesday, when we call them, they've changed their, their attitude, like totally like 180. It's just that think about your life. Think about like, let's say I called you at a time when you're like in the grocery store or something and you got all your kids with you and they're screaming and there's people around like, you're going to be pissed and tell me, you know, screw you, get you know, like go away. F you you know, and hang up on me. But maybe the next day I catch you in your home alone and you actually are like, hey, I'm kind of bored. I'm going to talk to you, you know, like it could change day to day based on the circumstance. So we try not to write them off too fast, but also know when you're wasting your time with somebody. And I think that there are certain people that like I had a, I had an agent, actually, I used an agent as an example. I had an agent yesterday who contacted me and there's certain things that you hear that you know you don't have somebody. Intuition is going to tell you when you have somebody on the line that's worth visiting versus somebody who's on the line that's not worth visiting. Like this guy called me about prospecting and I pitched him on the service and then he tried to tell me how I should be, how I should charge my business. He was like, well, maybe if we do it this way, or maybe if we do it that way. And he's trying to push, I appreciate the negotiation. I think any good agent's going to try to negotiate with me. But one of the key things that I hear a lot of people who are, let's say, less than interested they'll say something like oh that's really interesting or they might say something like 
I'll call you, send me an email. That's a cop-out. If you ever hear somebody tell you to send them an email, that's them telling you, hey, screw you. I'm just talking to you just to talk to you, and I'm not really very serious, you know? That's funny. I don't usually send those types of people emails. <laughs> so how do you, so how, backing up to something you said a couple minutes ago, how, how do you let things just roll off your shoulder? You get that really vulgar person that's got the five kids jumping out of a shopping cart and they're losing their mind and you caught them on the bad day, but they're taking all their, their shit out on you. And I would argue in those moments, a lot of agents like get very reclusive and then they, they're like, oh, geez, they hate me. I'm never calling that bitch again. You know, like whatever. How do you, how have you found that you move past taking that personally? You know what? First of all, it's not in human nature to be confrontational. I think that that's the first thing we got to understand is it's not in our nature. Maybe some of us have that. You ever hear like uh, fight, flight, I think like freeze, like that's our natural response to things, right? Um, not a lot of people, when somebody's taking a swing at them or getting real loud, you know, would swing back. They'd retreat. Most people would retreat. That's 90% of the population. So, Understanding that this is a muscle you have to work is the, the biggest thing. It's kind of like doing repetitions, you know, and sort of like uh, you're going to have to build the muscle yourself by working it every day and not getting scared by somebody just being loud. You're never going to hear from those people again. I think that that's one of the main things that uh, we should get out of the way right there. Like, look, they're going to yell at you, but they can't actually hurt you. Like, nobody is. Anywhere in the, nobody's in the room with you. They can yell and scream and pout all they want, but understand that most of the time it's not about you. And in fact, sometimes those people, they only yell and scream because they also know that 90% of the other realtors are going to go away just because they're loud. That's the natural response. People are not confrontational. You have to kind of kick that out of yourself. I don't, I think you're only going to build that by getting frequent and doing the calls and understanding that it's not personal. And when you do get a good call, you know, sometimes some of my best calls come right after some of the worst ones, you know, it'll be like, I'll talk to somebody who'll be so rude. They'll call me every name in the book and that's fine. I mean, they don't know me from Adam. I don't know them. I don't care what they think of me. Right. But then the next call I get will be like somebody that I, I talk to like they're my grandmother and it just, it just becomes easier to get through the nose when you start to, when you push through long enough to start to get the people that are being responsive. Cause that, when you know at the end of that call, you've helped somebody move and accomplish their goal. Like, then you're like, okay, like, cool. I did something for somebody. It, it does matter. It is important, you know? So let me ask you this. So we've got, we've got a lot of people that listen in uh, that are, uh, you know, either inside sales agents themselves for a team or this is one component in like a big, a bigger plan that they have, whether they also send letters and door knock and all that stuff. What are some of the, can you give one or two examples of like the biggest pitfalls that agents make when they are on the phone that like under at all costs must be avoided? First, I think, um, <laughs> I think asking one question at a time and then, Sounding up is probably the biggest lesson I could give you on the phone. Like, don't answer for the seller ever. You know, so if you're asking the seller, hey, where are you thinking about going next when the property sells? Or, hey, how long has it been on the market for? If you ask those questions, just go silent. 
because people are super uncomfortable with silence and they will eventually respond to you. I think so many people get on a train where they just want to talk over everybody and get their point across and they're making a lot of statements and not asking the good questions, not asking, you know, and just be, be yourself, be genuine and build rapport, have a conversation. I think that those are the two main things that could take your time. Don't rush through the script, ask your question and then shut up, let them answer, you know, let them give you a response. Then you can react to how they respond. I think that that is probably the most valuable thing. Um, and I love yeah. that, by the way, because I think, I think one of the biggest things we mess up as agents is not being ourselves. Like we use that, we lose the humanity. We lose like our own individuality and like we forget that people are buying us, right? For not just for our knowledge, but like the stuff that we bring to the table. So I think that's a really huge thing. In fact, we've talked about that in some of uh, the sales meetings that we've had is like, stop stop dressing up and like strangling yourself and being something you're not to try and appease everybody. Like there's a whole group of people that are going to hire you because of like who you are. So I think that's really valuable insight. Well, and I think that, um, you know, in my business, I, I've taken a bit of a slower growth path than some of the other companies. And the reason is, is that when I find clients that I like to work with or that we get along good with, we then build really good rapport with them and then they give us referrals. And I want more agents like the ones I work well with to work with as clients, you know, and same way with sellers. I think that each agent bonds differently with each seller. So, you know, you're going to want to continue to build on the sellers that work for you, not the ones that don't, don't try to, it's like forcing a puzzle piece that doesn't fit. You don't want to continually do that because, you're just going to get a business that you don't like to go to in the morning when you have clients that don't work well with you. I think letting your personality shine is the number one way that you're going to attract people that you like to work with, you know, or that you're bonded with and you get along with. And you know in your gut that somebody's, you know, you know, like when people's pipelines are real small, they'll go fight and take any deal that they possibly can instead of actually making sure that that customer is the best fit for them. And I think that that's a mistake too, because in the long run, when you just take anybody, just for the sake of taking anybody that calls you, what you're doing eventually, and I've experienced, this is a lesson I had to learn. Like when you do that, you just take anybody for the sake of getting the money, then you end up actually spending more money trying to get rid of that person that's being a pain in your ass, you know, more time, more money, and you're not focusing on the good clients, you know? There's something to be said for that, you know, uh, if you're not running an inside sales agency or if you're not an inside sales agent, if you're a listing agent, if you're working with a buyer, right? Like there's a lot of agents right now. I hope you guys are catching this. Like sometimes you gotta, sometimes you gotta cut it. You know, there's different, different personality types out there. We don't all work well with all of them. And to your own point, Steph, I think you, uh, I think you hit the nail on the head with that. It's like cut, cut, Cut loose the people that you're not working well with because they're probably costing you more in stress and all the other crap that you have to deal with than the money's worth anyway. Well, when you don't just have a conversation with them, you're not really going to know. And in my line of work, you know, I have a playbook. I still work off a script. I still have my routine. I've done it so long, though, that it's internalized. I don't have to think about it. Everything I do is memorized. I think that's the other thing. To go back to your other question, one of the other things I see is that agents stammer over their words, and then they get robotronic about their scripts, and they're not, they don't know the scripts well enough, right? Uh, but then when they don't let their personality shine through, like I said, I think that they're, they're by not 
having these discussions with people, you're not going to really find out whether or not that client is actually a fit for you. You know, and you got to really, really work your own, your own, it, it, your script will become your own if you practice it enough. Yeah, I like that. So how, so how is it that you've tailored scripts to work for you, like to let your personality shine in, in an, in a segment of the business that is unbelievably scripted to your own admission with like two or three, you know, scripts that everybody uses? How do you, how do you make you unique? Like, what have you done? I think there's some key words, you know, like there's a big difference between, hey, uh, why'd you decide to sell your house today? Versus, hey, what inspired you to sell your home? Right? The second one, that's, that's like one of my things. I put, I took like kind of like, what Tony Robbins does with NLP, but I found another NLP teacher that I was learning from that he actually did um, work with relationships. The guy's name is David Snyder. He's unbelievable. Um, but he, I was watching his videos and he does work um, like trying to get guys, you know, to be able to pick up girls or uh, girls to be able to find the right kind of guy. Like sales is a lot like dating. So I kind of took this approach that he had for people that were, <laughs> were like, trying to go pick up a girl or something in a bar, you know, and, and or out somewhere trying to find a date. And I took the date mentality and I kind of put it to sales because it's the same thing. I mean, picking up a person or making a new friend or making a deal, they're almost like symbiotic, you know, and just little, th <clears throat> little things make a big difference though. I mean, it's kind of like playing golf, you know, like one, millimeter difference can totally put you in the sandpit and little words like inspired trigger people's i don't know almost like it, it it's like a trusting thing like now it's like they feel like you you really care and you want to know about them and their relationship sure yeah sure okay yeah. so let me let me take this a different direction this is just coming to me now i'm going to play like the i'm going to play one of my favorite things that i'll do to people who are cold calling me on stuff right and They'll go well. Uh, it could be. It doesn't matter if it's Zillow or Homes. It could be. Uh, it could be uh, an inside sales agent. It could be anybody selling any kind of service, right? And they go, "Do you know what yeah. this is for your business?" And I go, "Okay. Well, if it's so great, then why don't you get your real estate license and then you do what you do and implement all the stuff that you just pitched to me, and you'll be the best agent in the world." So my question for you is do you have any plans to become a real estate agent and implement uh, this successful strategies cold calling to just like tear it up and yeah well and that's that's kind of um, gosh I've gotten so many offers from so many companies to become a realtor mm -hmm. um, I've had a bit of a, a hard time choosing because I get one offer from somebody and then somebody tries to offer top it and I think that, I mean, I'm almost done with my New York State license, kind of like this really obnoxious thorn in my side, I suppose, um, to to be trying to finish because my dad got very, very sick this year, so I had to postpone my test. Uh, mm -hmm. But um, I haven't really needed it up until now because I had worked with real estate coaches and stuff like that in the past, and I just never really needed it. You know, now, now I feel like I, I don't just want to tell you that I'm good at what I do. I want to show you how good it works too, because it's not just to also put it in another way, selling 
real estate agents a product is a lot like pitching an expired. If you're trying to sell a real estate agent a product, that real estate agent has probably been burned before. You know, there's a method to the madness. It's all pretty symbiotic. It's not really like sales, a sale is a sale is a sale, right? doesn't matter what you're selling, but you've got to get their attention. you got to build rapport. There's the same steps to closing that deal. I mean, the proof is in the the practice and what you do and what you make of it, right? But, I mean, obviously, I think for some agents, they like to see things to believe it, and that's fine. And I have I have some plans to do that in the future, yeah, to answer your question in short, yes. But it's not going to make or break me. <laughs> are you going to have your own most unbelievable inside sales agency ever with all your little minions before you do that? Or would that mean that you give up this, you know, calling for I the... I wouldn't give up items. I don't think I can. I don't think I'm allowed, according to the industry, to actually give up doing what I do because mm -hmm. people just kind of keep phoning in. Um, there's a point in my life where I thought maybe I could just do it myself and, you know, not, you know, not bother coaching everybody. But I thought, no, nah, that's a selfish route. You know, I got to right. continue to do what we do. And you know what? We have some agents that have been with us for years, and I don't think I could abandon them if I tried because they just love us. So, yeah. Uh <laughs> Favorite kind of call to, or favorite kind of lead to call on, least favorite kind of lead? Um, this is the best question, and I saw it on, um, I actually answered it on a Facebook group the other day, uh -oh. and everybody is going to throw their hands up in the air, and I'm going to tell you, for sale by owners, I'll tell you, for sale by owners is my absolute favorite to call. Okay. You want to know why? Yeah. <laughs> Great. I want to tell you, they pick up the phone because they think everybody is a buyer. So they always answer. They always answer. You're going to get contacts. They might scream at you or something, but you kind of get an answer. You know, um, the other thing is that other agents don't seem to go after them quite as heavily. I mean, like make me moves and fizzbos are like not really what other agents kind of strive for. And personally, I think as long as you can build rapport with them, understand why they became a for sale by owner in the first place and try to meet their needs. You know, obviously they're unrealistic with pricing a lot. So you've got to kind of explain to them the reality of what, what they're facing. Cause they were in debt long before you got there. I mean, like, you know, most, most of the time, or they had a problem uh, selling their home because they trusted the wrong people. And that's not your fault either. You know, I mean, like you just got to reason with them a little. And I think if you reason with them and educate them a little, or, uh, a lot of for sale by owners are actually just really, really burnt expires, too. That happens. There's, expires and fizzbos. Everybody's like, oh, I love expires. I want to just go call expires. Like, they're almost the same. They're almost the same type of a business, you know? Like, there's very little difference between the two. But What's the I like fizzbos better. What was that? Sorry. What's the hardest one to convert? New expires. Mm. New expenses over everything, over pre foreclosures, over over everything, because so many agents are hammering newer expires that those are the calls that you hear. You're my fiftieth call today, right? Yeah. And I think that I'm excited for when the market downturns because we have a really saturated market of agents, and not all of them are. It's kind of like you know how. Everybody thinks that the little snowflake is special. Not all of these little snowflakes are that special. I'm ready for it to get like 
muddy playing field again where like the market turns over and I'm probably the only one excited for the idea. Like Jerry Keller, I think was talking about the great down shoot that's going to come this year. I'm the only one smiling going, Oh my God, is it? Thank God. You know, because maybe, I could, maybe we should stop having so much competition with expires, but I think older expires are the better bet. If you can go back two years or, or so and grab older expires, they probably still want to sell, you know, they just haven't, my hair is doing weird things. Um, they just haven't, they haven't uh, had the chance to, I told you no video today. Um, they haven't had the chance to sell their home in a little while or they took, took it off the market or, or whatever, but it doesn't mean they're just interested, even if they were off the market for a year or six months. Like they're still probably motivated. They still probably had a goal they wanted to meet, you know, like. There's a lot of people that seem to be moving away from FISBOs and expireds for any number of reasons, including fear, saturation, uh, whatever, discomfort, hostility of call. There seems to be a trend in some of the VA companies overseas. And I don't know if it's because maybe it's an easier call for them to make or what. Everyone seems to be starting to trend on like circle prospecting. Can you comment on that? What are your thoughts on circle prospecting and its validity? I think when you get a good good call through circle prospecting, you really get a good call. Um, but in terms of, yeah, I mean, you, if you get somebody great, it's an easy conversation, but they're also more nurture. You know, a lot of these people are not looking to sell their home tomorrow. They're starting to get pricing evaluations. They're a for later appointment, really. I mean, you're going to go out there and give them a pricing evaluation. doesn't mean you're going to get the listing. It doesn't mean that they're ready to even sell yet. They're just thinking about it now. So if you go and you put the armor on, you go call for sale by owners and expires, at least you know that somewhere in the recent vicinity, like they were like serious about selling at one point, serious enough. Nobody rolls over in the morning and just puts their $500,000, million dollar home on the market for no, no reason. They had a reason to do it. And if you kind of allow them to continue down the wrong path, you're not doing them the service that you think you are. Um, where I think circle calls, they're time consuming, you know, they're easier, but again, I think on the back end of it, you're gonna be doing more work to to often get the listing and it won't be immediate cash of any kind. Nurturing's fine. There's nothing wrong with nurturing. I don't wanna say that there is. I'm just saying that if you push through the hard things, you might get about a return faster. You know, the more difficult avenue, if you can handle it and stomach it, it will pay you more. But, you know, to circle call, um, you got to set aside, you know, four hours a day, every day, probably to circle call and get anything of, of real value out of it. It's like the, I guess it's the phone equivalent to door knocking. It's just creating a presence, yeah. getting known and. I mean, like, um, we have had agents call in and they'll want only campaigns of circle calls because they can't handle for sale by owners and expired. And I think that that kind of, for our purposes as trained inside sales, like gurus, you know, like it's sort of a waste of your money with us because we're there to do the hard conversations. I think that, uh, circle calls are fine, but we do it in addition to the other 
stuff that we do. I mean, and that's how I think you should do it too. You should still go after, you know, your FISBOs, your expireds, your internet leads and stuff like that before you resort to circle calling. You can, circle calling is fantastic for branding. If you wanted to get into the neighborhood, it's a multi-million dollar neighborhood and like nobody's ever heard of you there and you're trying to create a presence in the neighborhood, it's great, but it's going to take you months, I think, before you really start to see the fruits of that labor. Do you think circle prospecting is legitimate strategy when it comes to, hey, I have a new listing in the community and I just wanted to let you know that it's coming up down the street and we'd love to invite you to an open house. Is there, is there anything to that? Do you believe in your experience that good business can come from it? Or again, is it more of a long-term play and just something you do to appease maybe a seller? I think if you have a listing in the neighborhood or if a listing pops up, even if it's not even yours, like I would, I'm so uh, aggressive that I would go find a listing that my competitor had and prospect around it if I wanted to see a thorn in their side. Uh, but my point is, is that this circle calls and cold calls, you know, they serve a purpose. You definitely, like I said, it's going to give you name recognition. If there are any leads to be shook out in that neighborhood, they're going to be shook out. Um, you know, I don't think it always yields the results that people anticipate. I don't think it's a bad way to get business or to let them know that you have a new listing in the neighborhood because chances are if somebody across the street is thinking about selling and they, you know, they see a sign up, they, they might want to get some pricing on their house or maybe they have a friend who's trying to move into the neighborhood. And that does happen. Those are things that legitimately happen. I actually have an agent in Phoenix who we were calling buyers for her and then like the first week we started to call sellers uh, we called an expired that happened to be in the same neighborhood of a house that she had listed so essentially it was kind of like a circle call in, in a way for her because <laughs> that that house that she listed was two homes up the street and because she had sold it through over asking that seller immediately just handed her the listing like just was like here you go dude and it was a four hundred thousand uh, dollar deal for her which is a great commission that she earned that we got her and it wasn't expired. I know it's not exactly a just listed, just sold call or a circle call, but it just the effect of it being in the same neighborhood can be very powerful when you have somebody good. It just, sometimes it takes you longer to get the good than you would hope for. So put in the time. If you're going to do circle calls, you've got to really put in the time and be dedicated about it. You know, a couple of questions I wanted to ask you before we kind of wrap things up. And uh, the long or short answer doesn't matter. I'm going to kind of rapid fire a few things at you. You, you tell me what you think. Um, first and foremost, as an inside sales professional, what is the absolute worst advice that you've ever heard given to an inside sales rep? Oh, boy. Um, worst advice that has ever been given to an inside. Can I think about this for a minute? Can you like put filler on? Yeah, um, Jeopardy music in there. I think that's the. I'm trying to think because my my first boss, who was not the real estate coach I worked for, but the guy who worked at the marketing company, I think that the he kind of just gave me some terrible phone, <laughs> like that you have to be upbeat and you have to be friendly and you have to this and this and this and that and just be very customer servicey. I think that that's where people make a lot of mistakes that, you know, 
people like people who are like whom? Themselves, always, right? So if somebody's kind of a jerk, does that mean that you can continue to stay as a gum snapping, bubble chewing, you know, happy customer service rep? No, you're not going to do that. That's not real to them. That's not their language. Speak to them. Speak to them in their language and don't just be nice for the sake of being nice. Sometimes they need a good, they, sometimes they actually respect you more if you fight them. I've had agents that I've worked with that do this. Do you ever have a real high dominance person in your life? I'm sure you've got one on your team somewhere mm-hmm. that they just want it how they want it, how they want it. And then everybody else, because they're passive and they're non-confrontational, will just do whatever that person says. I can think of one agent in particular I used to give a lot of pushback and grief to. And actually, he's probably one of my biggest advocates now. And he wouldn't have been if I didn't do it. You know, if I didn't give him the push, you know. I really like that. All right. So on the opposite end of the spectrum, you got a brand new inside sales rep or an agent who's just now starting to add this new strategy into their business. What's, What's some good starting advice that you can give to them? Something that that you think is the most important thing as they approach their uh, their business in this new thing? Um, you know, being consistent is the best thing I can tell you. Being frequent and consistent in your practices of what you're doing is crucial in terms of learning your, your playbook and your script. If you don't know the script well enough, I'm going to reiterate something I said earlier, if you don't know your script well enough, that you can't turn it over and say it through memory. You don't know it well enough. And, you know, when you get into doing this, make sure that you still use that playbook. Because I see a lot of people, even when they they start out new, they follow all the rules, and then two or three weeks in, they become undisciplined and lazy about what they're saying. And that changes the results because they feel that they've gotten – it's kind of like a very good mix. You want to make your script your own, make it believable, know it very well. Know it so well, it's like you're going to win an Oscar for saying it, you know? I mean, like that, just so that you can be, you can move with the pace of the conversation. You can move with that seller as fluently as you need to, you know, without blame, stammering, um, getting nervous. And I think that one of the biggest things that I could tell you is just don't, don't be worried that other people are listening to you or listening to you mess up in the office if you are in the office making calls or that you're bothering people. You are bothering people. You absolutely are. But if you're going to bother them, get a reward from it. Help them. You know, help them and then collect the commission. You're already going to bother them. So bother them good. At least be good at bothering them. I guess that's what I'm getting at. <laughs> get frequent. Yeah, I was going to ask, you know, you're not a realtor, but you work with tons. And what's like the best thing that you could encourage a realtor to do? But I I think that's, you know, it's like just be comfortable bothering people, right? I mean, that is kind of what we do. Kind of goes, that applies more than just cold calling. That's like, you know, if you're going to bother them, earn a commission. Earn a commission for bothering them and help them out, you know, accomplish their goals. And then they'll be thankful that you bothered them after that. So from you know? the inside sales rep herself, the bajillion dollar question asked in all the huge Facebook groups out there that are trying to 
figure out what is the best dialer. What's the best dialer, Steph? I think Mojo's got the most uh, flexibility in it. You know, um, in terms of being able to be compatible with other apps, having a good lead follow-up system, being able to manage leads for more than just one person. That's also huge, you know. I think a lot of these other dialers, there's, you know, you could do a single line or a multi-line dialer with them, whatever you're comfortable with. Um, but I think a lot of these other dialers just don't have as much CRM capabilities as Mojo. So I think Mojo is still my favorite. I like that. And then do you have any free technology that you leverage uh, for, for your work that you just think our agents should know about? Um, you know, I mean, it's more of a creep. I hear a lot of agents complaining about Zillow, which is hysterical to me. Mm. And it's hysterical to me because Zillow, for as much as Zillow markets crap to you guys, like there's also a lot of free business you can get from Zillow through Make Me Moves, through Fizbo's. Not to give away all my secrets, but, you know, I'll tell you, a lot of our schedule, you know, we'll go through sometimes call campaigns and not be successful. And then when we go call through, especially this is, this also goes for like the Eastern and the Midwestern sides of the country. I, I think the West is very limited on what pops up on Zillow. But I think if you're in the Eastern uh, seaboard, somewhere in the Midwest, you should have no problems going through every day and calling what's new that's available that's free. Because you can even get to that stuff without paying for leads. You can get phone numbers. Um, white pages we use a lot if we kind of are missing certain information just on the fly. Like if you ever have a seller that will like sometimes just not give you their last name for some dumb reason or something like that, but you schedule an appointment with them and you want to make sure that the information is correct, I know you guys can title search and stuff like that, but on the fly, if you ever wanted to look, I think White Pages is kind of a cool free, I mean, I know that that's simple stuff, but like the stuff that like we use every day, you know? Yeah, and that's good to hear. I mean, we're all we're all trying different things and from someone who lives in that space every day, it's great to hear that. Um, last question and then we'll wrap up. Do you have a favorite book or a favorite uh, resource or something that you enjoy tapping into to help with your personal and professional development? I'm going to give you one for professional and one for personal, if that's cool. Absolutely. Um, I am really into Grant Cardone. Um, Grant Cardone and I think Les Brown are probably two of my favorite people to listen to if I'm ever kind of like in a, in a funk. Less because he's so happy and just like he's got such positive energy that like I feel like any bad day that I'm ever having will be wiped away by Les Brown. Yes. Like he just wiped wiped away. Um, um, yes. Grant, I think I think contributes a, a more consistent coaching aspect to you that um, you need. Like he's if I need an ass kicking, I listen to Grant. If I need to feel good, I listen to Les. If yes. I'm looking to work on one of the most interesting people that I've ever come across in my work is actually a spiritual director uh, by the name of Carolyn Meese. And she helps me look at larger pictures than myself. Um, she's got a great book, Energy and Anatomy. 
um, I think these things go hand in hand because I'll tell you why. Because Grant is good about putting your stuff into, you know, actions and motions and less is good for your, you know, like your spiritual, just your, your, your happy well-being. But Carolyn, Carolyn Meese will actually walk you through the energetic responses you get from from just everything in life. And I think, you know, you, you see the secret, right? People read the secret and they'll say, say something like, um, you you manifest your own destiny. It's kind of true, kind of true. But Carol Meese shows you how you co-create it. Because, yeah, you got to put the energy out there, but also don't expect not to have to do any work, you know? And that's why I like her, because she's going to tell you both. You know, that's really, really cool. Well, listen, we really appreciate you showing up today. I think you've given some great information. Um, final thing is how can uh, how can our listeners get a hold of you if they want to employ you, if they want to tap into that brain and figure out what you got going? Tell us where we can find you. Oh, my gears are always turning. But you can you can call me um, our office line, which is great because it will uh, allow you to leave a message. And if I'm not there, it actually emails me so I can see that you call and I'll call you as soon as I'm available. Uh, but our office line is 518-240-1161. And our company name is Infinity Appointments. You can visit us on the web at infinityappointments.com or facebook.com slash infinityappointments. And um, we also have uh, an inside sales group that's free to have these conversations all the time. Um, so if you don't have time to hire, you don't have the time or the money to hire me for coaching, um, I certainly do share scripts on there and techniques periodically. So you can keep keep watching us there. Yeah. Awesome stuff. Well, you're the best. We really appreciate you tuning in and uh, and helping us out today. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for having me, James. Today's episode is sponsored by Ava. Stop missing hot leads when you're out with a client or spending time with friends and family. Ava is a professional inside sales team and will respond to and nurture leads 24-7. And you step back in when the leads are ready to talk to an agent. Visit reraw.com forward slash Ava to learn more. Again, that's reraw.com forward slash A-I-V-A.